0: can be seated. I want to invite our school-aged kids to the back uh, with Miss Robin and uh, Mr. Brad Crenshaw. Oh man, they're in for a treat today. And so, um, man, it's exciting to be here today, isn't it? Golly, I mean, to be able to sing together like that. Um, I am uh, pumped to be here it is not a thousand degrees inside this building. And so even more reason to rejoice. Um, I get kind of as a, as a pastor, um, and I, and I, you know, part of my, my thing is, uh, I love just being like a pastor. Like I love to like call and like just check in on you and see how you're doing and encourage you. But I will tell you, I turned 41 years old this week and uh, I know, man, what a good, what a good thing for all of us for me to be older now. Um, uh, And uh, one thing I've learned after being in ministry for a long time, there's just one question I feel like always comes up when I talk to people. And it's from this, this verse you've heard probably in a Matthew, Matthew 11. It says this right here, the words of Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He keeps going. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And here is the, the question I get all the time they, people that believe in Jesus, profess his name, even tr- try to follow him, w- will say the same thing. My life does not feel like this. And if we're honest, and many times I get honesty, which is great. And if I'm honest with you sometimes, our souls don't always feel at rest. Is that fair to say? And so, so, so we just live in a sense in this tension of something is like missing, Right? And I think about, even in scripture, in these great heroes of the faith, you think about uh, Stephen, you know, in Acts, this man full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom is preaching the gospel and he's being stoned by people. And as he's being stoned, he is praying for those people. This is Paul and Silas in prison and they are singing these great songs of worship to God. This is our friend Caroline, who apparently has leeches on her right now and is serving and praying and full of joy. I was talking with uh, Dave Deloach this week, and he was telling this story about an old friend of ours, uh, Melissa Richardson, who has battled cancer and is healthy now, but how, you know, in the middle of her battle with cancer, uh, with no hair Dave's recounting this story of Melissa sending a video message with no hair, but joy in her eyes, encouraging Heather. So we see these pictures of people where we can't just say, well, my life is hard because we see in scripture and in other saints among us that life can be hard, but there can still be a soul that is at rest. I remember, um, I think I've told y'all this before, I played uh, basketball from like every day of my life, like from zero to 18, I loved basketball. And um, I was literally half this size. I found a picture I was gonna put on the screen, but it was just so depressing. I said, let's not do that today. Let's just imagine that. Um, and, uh, and I was the guy when I played, um, coaches always told you two things, you to know, drink, drink water, you need to stretch. I never, I, ne- I was like, why do you need water? Who's, I thought you were weak if you stretched, honestly. And um, I played through high school, and I stopped playing after high school. And I remember I was 19 years old, and uh, me and Layton's old coach and Luke's coach, Coach Ward, asked us to come scrimmage uh, his high school team. We used to play back in the day. I was like, and I hadn't played in a while. I was like, guess you know, i love to go play. And so I was just, I was 19. Year, I wasn't 47. I was 19 years old. I was like, I got this, I show up, I don't need water. I'm not gonna stretch. About 10 minutes in, my body shuts down. I'm cramping, I'm like almost crying, honestly. I couldn't cry, my friends were there, I couldn't cry. I was in so much pain, I couldn't play at all. I had to sit out. And it's because uh, life changed. And through that change in life, I changed. And my need for hydration changed. And here, if I could just kind of speak freely as one of your pastors, one of your brothers, one of your friends, um, life has changed. We're not 18 anymore. Life has changed uh, from COVID. um, Listen, just growing up and the pressures of life, of work, of responsibilities, of all, it just changes. And I think what's happened, especially since COVID, when the whole world shut down and there was like this collective, like we're not sure how to handle this and how to live. And we had this season of disconnection and I'm not sure if many of us have recovered from that. And I have this feeling that we are walking around with just weary souls. But at the same time, I believe in the promises of Jesus that if we come to him, those who are weary, those who are spiritually cramping and are dehydrated, he will bring rest for our souls and that his yoke is easy. But here's this pattern I've seen for many of us, even at times myself, is we're disconnected and then we drift. Right? There is like this break in a rhythm and a habit and a community function. Something kind of changes and we drift. And as we drift, we tend to forget. We tend to forget who God is and how great He is and what He promises. So we drift, we forget. And as we forget, what tends to happen is sometimes we run away instead of running back. Because we knew what we were, there is this sense of shame. Like, okay, well, I did that, but I'm so far away, I can't get back. So we drift, we forget, we run, we get tired, and eventually we crash. And I'm not saying every person here is like about to crash. But there is, I will tell you, this pattern that happens as we drift away, as we forget, as we begin to run, we begin to slowly forget the goodness of God and the rest that he promises. And that brings us to John 4. If you want to turn there in your Bibles to John 4, and I preached this passage about a year and a half ago, and this is totally different today. (laughs) I'm preaching this. And I have gone through this text and other texts all week long. And I, even this morning, I like cut out half what I was going to say because there's a sense I feel like we don't need a theological dissertation, but we need to hear, believe, and walk in the truth that Jesus is the true rest. He is the true rest, friends. We forget it, but he is the true rest. So here in John 4, there's a lot in this passage We start off here and Jesus intentionally goes through Samaria, like the the Israelites, the, the people, like they don't like these, but he intentionally goes through here for a reason. Then he breaks cultural norms by talking to this woman at the well. Jesus, a man and a Jew, talking to a woman who was a Samaritan, breaks all kind of cultural norms in the day. Then he uh, amazes her and convicts her by knowing her past. Just calls her out that she had five husbands. And I'll tell you, that's a whole sermon in itself, that we cannot enjoy the presence of God if we don't deal with the sins of our past. I'll just say this very quickly. Friends, many of us are walking in torture and a lack of rest because there's things we've never confessed and dealt with. And until we find healing in those things, our soul will be in turmoil. And here is just, not a sermon, but here's a quick thing about this. In, in our church, I have seen this over the past year or two. Men and women with great faith and courage in the promises of God, bringing their past to the light and experiencing healing and freedom in ways they never have. And experiencing Rest. But that's not today's sermon. So you're free, you're, you're good there. And that he also, and this, he reveals to her that he is the Messiah in this very intimate and just profound way, he says, I am the one you've been waiting for. So you see all this in this passage. You see his disciples' response to this. They're like, why are you talking to her? Or aren't you hungry? See all these things in this passage. But we're gonna get one thing today. Go to, go to verse seven. It says here, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Let me just pause for a minute. This is a very simple verse. It's weird that I'm stopping right now. I know that. But I just imagine this person who's just like us, she's thirsty. Most commentaries that you read says she came during midday when it's hot, it's because she was hiding from other people because she was so ashamed of her sin. And I think about us, you're in this room today. I don't know all your stories, but I know this, there is a need, there's a need. There's something about us, the humanness of us, the sinful side of us that we're here and we are thirsty. We're thirsty and we're tired, just like this woman was. But she thought her greatest need was a physical need till she met Jesus. And then when you meet Jesus, you realize the physical is still there, but there's something far more important. Let me keep going. I'm going to preach forever. I do this. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her. Because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Verse 9, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, uh, a Samaritan woman, breaking those cultural norms? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and he was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. See, he's turning it. He, he showed, there's something greater going on here. Verse 11, sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket (laughs) and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? (laughs) You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? If she only knew and she will soon. He gave us the well and he drank from it himself as did his sons and as did livestock. And then here it comes. Uh, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty Again, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. So, our first point as we are seeking how to walk in that kind of soul rest is this right here do not settle for physical water, do not settle, friends, do not settle, do not settle. The story of Scripture, as I, as I just study, I see this all the time as I read the Bible. It's the story of man looking and prioritizing the physical over the spiritual. Think about, I'm in Joshua in my study right now, and the Israelites over and over, they see the might of these physical armies, and they are afraid. God says, no, 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 look at me. It's not about the physical, what you can see. There is something supernatural with eyes of faith that if you look to me, it far surpasses the things of this world. Think about the people throughout the Gospels as Jesus gives them physical bread or or heals them physically. They just want what Jesus gives. They don't want the eternal rest that he offers. It's this overarching story of we prioritize the physical, the material over the spiritual and the supernatural. And this is completely us today, isn't it? How many times do we prioritize our physical needs our physical comforts, our physical wants over the supernatural reality of giving our attention, our focus, our time, our money, our worship to the one who can bring rest. Hear this, friends. When we look to the physical over the spiritual, we will always end up with a dehydrated and tired soul. When we look to the physical to meet a need that only the supernatural living water can meet, we will always end up thirsty. And there's a reason many of us are operating out of a place of thirst and tiredness. And it's because we have lifted the physical over the spiritual. But this is our world, isn't it? Our world majors on the physical comforts that this world can offer on the physical pleasures that this world can offer friends we are sold a bill of goods and we sing about Jesus and buy this bill of goods too many times and then we wonder why our souls are so heavy are so weary it overpromises and it underdelivers And and, and this is also why Jesus says sometimes it's easier for the poor to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because, friends, in the West, especially in in even our little area here, kind of suburban area, we don't have many needs. If we're honest, we don't have many wants. But what happens is these physical comforts, these physical securities, these physical pleasures become the point of our lives. And we work and we toil and we dream and we plan and we think and we fight and we vote and we do all these things to serve this physical need while we forget the spiritual need that brings true rest. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. This water here, you'll always leave thirsty. So friends, do not settle for physical Water. But there's something greater. There's something greater that I hope that we can see today as we sing about, as Reynolds' story was a vivid picture of this, of this greater, greater, greater hope. Go to verse 13 again. When he drinks this, we'll get thirsty again. Verse 14. But whoever... Drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up for him eternal life. The water that Jesus gives never stops giving, friends. It's this ever-flowing well that always bubbles up. And this is the message of Jesus over and over and over again. Life and rest and peace and joy is found in him. He is the living water. This woman can now stop searching because she found him. She met him, the one who brings this rest. Because here's the big idea, the second point, that living water is the answer for the weary soul. So I believe if we're honest, there's some weariness in all of us today, right? Scripture teaches, even my life validates, many of your stories validate this right here. The only cure for a weary soul is the living water of Jesus Christ. And the reason that we gather for worship is to celebrate that truth. And if we're honest, to remind our weary hearts that that is true. Because we go into a world with all kinds of, you know, subliminal messages. That there's other things that provide this rest when there's one thing. The living water of Jesus Christ. Listen, we can stop doing bad habits. Like you can fight against your sin. You can even go see a a Christian counselor and you can deal with the sins of your past. All those are good. All those things should be done. But if we do those things, but don't then at the same time look to the source of life as the living water and give our attention, our focus, our hope in him, we're still going to be tired. We're still going to be wearied. We're still going to be limping. When Jesus Christ has called us to what? Abundant life, right, church? We're not called to limp. We're called to skip. And so, friends, it's there for us and we can do all the work, but the greatest work is to look to him, to submit to him, to hope in him as the great living water. See, the living water, it reorients us to reality. When we taste that water, we are woken up to what is real, that God created everything, that God has put everything in order, And as we follow him, we're not putting on shackles. As we follow these rules, we're walking the path of joy. As we taste this water, we see how it wakes us up. It's like morning coffee, right? It brings us back into reality. Have you ever been in one of those funks where you've had no truth poured into you either through God's word, through a friend, through anything for days, weeks, maybe months. And then you're reminded of the truth that Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. And you're just brought back into reality because the living water always wakes us up to what is real. Second thing, the living water refreshes. The living water refreshes. Go to Psalm 130 or I'll go there. It's fine. I promise you I'm not lying. Psalm 130, if you can go there. I read this this week and I'm going to read it to us because I love it so much. I almost preached this text this week, but I didn't. So, but I still am, I guess. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. We had one week off and so it's time to go, guys. Listen to this in Psalm 130. The psalmist says this, out of the depths, I call to you, Lord. If you're in a dark place today, uh, the Lord hears your dark cries. Amen. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. And then here it comes in verse three, the refreshment. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? Lord, if you really like held me to this, to all the things that I've done, all the sins, all the ugliness, all the lies, all the deceit, all the anger, all the self. If if you just made a list and held me to this, who could stand, Who, who could live? But here it comes. But with you, there is forgiveness. Amen, church? There is forgiveness so that you may be revered and worshiped. The living water refreshes. When you feel less than, when you feel forgotten, when you feel unreconcilable, there is forgiveness. The call of every Christian is Ephesians 2, right? But God, but God brings refreshment to a weary soul. The living water brings hope. The living water brings hope, church. Go to Matthew 19. A little Bible drill today, guys. Matthew 19 in your Bibles but I want you to read and see this with me. Because friends, it is true that we are called to forsake things of this world. Uh, For for an example, um, if you're going to go overseas and be a missionary, you will forsake comforts of the Western way of life. You will lose those things. Caroline and Reynolds and Cherise cannot be there to say hi to each other today. They are, for, they are losing that time. That, that is a real thing that, in a sense, we're all called to forsake. But listen to the hope we have through the living water here in verse uh, 27. Peter responded to him, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, in the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, it's coming one day, friends. It's coming. It's all going to be made right. You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. It's a nice gig for his followers, for his disciples right there. Judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields, who has forsaken all these things, the physical things that we hold most dear, who forsakes these things because of my name, will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first there'll be this great exchange one day because the people of God should not be the ones flaunting what we have in this world. We're called to use the things of this world for his kingdom. So it's a a travesty when the people of God get caught up in the Western way of life, of consumerism, of hoarding, of just taking all this stuff, this physical things that one day will have no value at all. We're called to forsake those things, because we know the reward we're going to get one day is much, much greater. Right? A much greater hope. The living water brings this kind of hope. Uh, the kind of hope that if you go bankrupt, you know one day you'll be rich in heaven. Right? It brings a great hope. So I have ranted now for about twenty minutes. And I think most of us, if you uh, have put your faith in Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian, um, w- would affirm what I'm saying. I'm like, yes, I, I agree, uh, Mr. 41-year-old. And, but the truth is, um, many of our lives just don't reflect this kind of uh, living water kind of faith. And, and I think it's because we treat the living water like we treat, like we're camels you know, a camel can go 15 days without water. And that's how we live spiritually too many times is that we'll get a big old gulp. We will come to a worship service like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And we leave. And the truth is the next day we are dehydrated and our souls are weary. And I think For many of us, that's a pattern of life. I read this book a few months ago from a man named uh, Dallas Willard, uh, a a great man of faith um, way. I couldn't understand the book too much, but there's a few things I picked up. And he said this, you can basically boil down a spiritual formation or becoming like Jesus into three things. He says, you write this down, it's great. V-I-M. V-I-M. The first is this is that to start a spiritual walk, we need a vision of who God is. We need a vision that we believe is greater than anything this world has to offer. It's this vision that Jesus is the great treasure that is worth selling the entire field for, right? This vision of who he is. And here's the vision today, that Jesus is the living water that will bring you rest. There's a vision of who he is. He's greater, he's better, he's holier, he's more loving. That is true, there's a vision. Second thing we need is for the I, our intentions to change. This is the turn of our heart. This is the repentance, right? That we see that he's good, And we turn from this former way of life. The ways of this world that we see are secondary and contrary to the vision of who he is. So we forsake those things. And I'll be honest, I think most in this room have done these two pretty well. They've seen who he is, believe he is good and better, and have turned their heart over to him. But it's this last thing this, this last, the elm that I think that we're missing out on so we can find full rest in him. And that's elm, that's the means. That's the means of following him that lead back to the vision. My hands are gonna break here. The vision of who he is. So vision, intention, and means. If living water is the answer for the weary soul, then we must center our lives around the the, the living water. What this means is we must have a way to constantly drink of the goodness of who God is. If we don't have that friends, we're gonna live spiritually exhausted. And so I've written down seven living water practices that we're gonna end with today. S- seven ways that we can walk in the means of being formed into him. And I'm excited about this. Here's the seven. First of the seven. Ruthlessly eliminate the fake water. So uh, a couple of Julys ago, we had uh, a cookout at my house. And um, it had been a while since I used my grill and apparently a wasp nest had gotten in my grill. And so I'm like, oh, I got the burgers. I opened the, the grill up and about 37 wasps sting me. It's probably one, but it felt like 37. And I was done for the night. I was done for the night, but I will tell you this. The next time I grilled, I had the can ready and I sprayed that entire thing down. I was going to eliminate the things that caused that pain. And friends, hear this today. We have to kill our sin. Your sin is preventing you from experiencing the goodness of Jesus. It really is. And the best way to do this thing is the practice of fasting. It's the practice of fasting. It's a practice thousands of years old. So friends, hear this. If you do an inventory today, or even right now, this afternoon, or tomorrow, of just kind of the things that kind of have you, maybe it's just you just spend too much money. Fast from spending money for a week. If yours is food, fast from food. If it's social media, fast from social media. If it's pornography, destroy your smartphone. Starve the things that are destroying your soul. Get rid of them starve them. Uh, The the Puritans called this mortifying the sin. But I would just tell you, eliminate the lesser water from your life. And you do this through fasting, this practice of fasting. Second, get off the carousel of the busy. Get off the carousel. This is the practice of of a weekly Sabbath. Friends, you need a day a week if you can make it where you get off the carousel of the busy. I I read this this week. It's so good. Sabbath is like receiving the gift of a heavy snow day every week. Stores are closed. Roads are impassable. Suddenly, you have the gift of a day to do whatever you want. You don't have any obligations, pressures, responsibilities. You have permission to play to be friends, take a nap, read a good book. Few of us would give ourselves a no obligation day very often. God gives to us once a week. Get off the carousel of busy. Practice a weekly Sabbath. All seven of these I believe are this, in a sense, essential interlinked ways for us to stay hydrated. So first get off I'm sorry, first, eliminate the fake water. Second, get off the carousel of busy. Third, talk to the counselor. Talk to the great counselor. This is the practice of prayer. Listen, I am all about uh, counseling and therapy. I love it. I believe it's needed. I believe it's necessary. But our first gut level honesty and crying out should be to the great counselor through prayer. There is this, we feel like God can't handle our emotions. The Psalmist would disagree, wouldn't he? Throughout the Psalms, we see this gut level honesty. It's just talking to God about the deepest things of your heart and soul. This takes practice. I do this through journaling. That I have, I just, God, why is this happening? God, I can't do this. God, where are you? Just being honest with the great counselor and let the great counselor begin to soothe you. This is the practice of prayer. Fourth, remember and hope. Be reminded of the good news and put your hope in the good news. This is the intake of scripture. The intake of scripture. And, and listen, listen there are plenty of people in this room that they just that you don't you don't like to read you don't like to read and, and that's okay but i will tell you this you've got to find some way to put the truth of god on your mind and on your heart you need to remember of his goodness and hope in his goodness So you've got to find some way, either an audio, you draw some pictures, you talk to a friend, you've got to find some way to get the word of God, the truth of God that gives us hope and joy and peace into your mind so that it's renewed over the lies of the world. You've got to intake scripture on some level. Six, confess where you're short. Um, you're going to blow it today, tomorrow, the next day, the next week. You're going to blow it every single day. And you, here's the big thing. You need people in your life. This is the practice of confession. This should be a normal, everyday rhythm of the people of God that we practice confession. Because in the midst of our struggles, of our sins, we need encouragement And we need accountability. And if we're not known, we don't get encouragement and accountability to where we sin and struggle. We live in the darkness and we wonder why our souls are tired and dark. Bring it to the light for encouragement and accountability. Number six, sorry, my numbers are off here. Delight in something greater. Delight in something greater. This is the practice of worship. And we experience this today, right? As we sing this song, bless the Lord, O my soul, we think about this idea of one day we're going to sing this song for eternity. And friends, as we sing songs like that with fellow broken sinners and saints among us, it does something, to, it lifts us out of the normal every day. This is going to the Grand Canyon, Right? You see something greater than yourself. You delight in something greater than yourself. And it leads to worship of the creator. We must have this practice in a world that is so digital, that is, everything is so accessible, and it brings us all to this level right here. We need something transcendent. We need to, to walk in the presence of a supernatural, miraculous God. We must practice Worship, last practice, we must embrace the heart. We must embrace the heart. This is the practice of service. This is the practice of service. And we, what's so good about this for me today, this point is made for me with our friend Caroline, right? Friends, leeches. <laughs> and Reynolds in tears is talking about her joy. Friends, I don't hike upstairs very well, but my sister Caroline is teaching me to embrace the heart. There is a certain kind of rest that happens only through sweat. And we see this in life, we see this in in all the followers of Jesus. We have this truly Western American consumeristic idea of rest. That's really comfort. Comfort is not Rest because the people of God are always pouring themselves out, but yet their souls are full. Their souls are joyful. Their souls are peaceful. They are at rest because they have learned to embrace the heart and to actually practice sacrificial service. You experience this when you go serve with our friends downtown, don't you? Like at four o'clock, you never want to go. Took your nap watching the cowboys lose again and you just want to sit there but you embrace the heart right because because you have the accountability of other brothers and sisters in Christ that are depending on you to be there right to bring the bread or something and, and you show up and just for an hour it's not like you're you're going overseas or doing something that hard for, for an hour you're not thinking about yourself but you're reminded that the people of God are called to serve the least of these. And it's as we practice this great gift of serving others that somehow our souls leave full, don't they? They leave full by the world's math that does not add up, but it is true. And friends, here's my hope, my prayer today is I gave you seven practices I don't want to overwhelm you. I don't want you to feel like um, I've got all this stuff to do. But here's what I do want for us today. Is that today, discipleship, uh, spiritual formation is this right here. It's being obedient to the next step God puts in front of us. And here's the good news. Our God is living and active, isn't he? And the spirit of God is at work. And I believe the Spirit of God right now is impressing upon all kinds of men, women, teenagers, some kids in here. He's speaking to us right now and pressing upon us a step of faith. Maybe it's fasting. Maybe there's some sin in your life that you've you've just got to starve. Maybe you need to confess that sin. Maybe embrace the heart and, and start this practice of serving. Maybe for you, you have no scripture intake in your life and the truth and the lies of this world are always on your heart and mind. And you've got to fight that with the truth of scripture. I don't know what your step is today. It it might be that you just need a person in your life to help spur you along. I don't know what it is, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out our our little response cards and I want you to write those things down that I need to work on the practice of this. I need help with this. God is showing this to me today. And, And here's why. Because every person in here has a spiritual step to take. Luke has a step to take today. Luke's very holy, guys, but he has a step to take today. Friends, we all have a step to take. And so my heart today is that we see how good God is. We see how good he is. Think of the story of the prodigal son. And that son messed up so much. And he's kind of like sleeking back, embarrassed, ashamed. The father runs after him, throws on the greatest coat, puts on the greatest party. That's the picture of who our God is, friends. He's not repulsed by you. He loves you. He's pursuing you. No matter what you've done, that is who he is. And, and I pray that our hearts are turned towards him. I really do. That we see this, the way, the, this way is not working. So I'm going to turn. And I pray with like... The best we can do with our hope in Jesus, we take a step to walk with him today. And that we as a people, we as a church, can support each other through you simply writing it down on a card. And someone can call you or email you this week to encourage you or spur you along or connect you with somebody. And that over time, we, we have this process of this vision of who he is. Our, our hearts turning And we practice these steps of following him and we grow further and further and further into his image so that our world, our community could see something different happening in this stinky gym once a week, right? That the people of God are truly people that are at rest and they're full of joy. That's the hope and the promise that God gives us. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, uh, thank you for uh, the good news today. Father, um, I'm like many of us in this room that we kind of all kind of stumbled in here um, with different things and concerns. And I pray that today we've got a, a really fresh picture of who you are. And I pray that our response to your goodness and your holiness is not to run, but to humble ourselves, to, to, to turn. And to, to then get in the path to walk in these means of following you. Father, I ask that you make clear for every person in this room what step of obedience you've called them to take today. And, And I pray you give them the courage to humbly take that step. And let us be a people who slowly, step by step, with great humility and great love, become more like you. Thank you for your word, Jesus. We love you. I pray all this in your name. Amen. We're going to end this sermon time.